Okay, good morning everyone. We are on Brochos Daf Yud Aleph, Amun Aleph, the bottom of the Daf. We are about to start the Mishnah. Today's share should be for Elohim Yishamas for the Kedoshim that uh, we're Moser Nafsham on behalf of Medina Sisra since Hakamas Medina, the Nishamas Sha'ola of Nalia. And we should all keep them in mind. Okay. Okay, so we're on the bottom of Yudalf Malaf. We were discussing the last Mishnah, we discussed the different uh, times of Shema and the different positions, Machlokas Bishilam Bashamai, the positions that we have to take when we say, if you can be specifically, you have to stand up, if you have to be sitting down, like laying down, I should say, like Bishamai, or like Bishilal, any position you want. Now the Gemara is going to discuss about the brachos that we say before and the brachos that we say after. The bottom of Yudalf, three lines from the bottom of the Mishnah starts. Bishacham, Revarach Shtayim, Lefanel. So in the morning, we go ahead and we say two brachos before Kriyashma, and we say one after it. The brachos before are Yotzer Or, right after Baruch continues all the way to Yotzer Oros, and then we say Avarabo, and then the bracha after Shema is Emes Viyatsiv, and in the evening, the, when we say Kriyashma at Mariv, Mivarach Shtayim Lefanel, once again, we have two brachos before Kriyashma, but we have two after Kriyashma. So in the morning, there's one after Kriyashma. In the morning, there are, sorry, in the evening, there are two after Kriyashma. The Mishnah continues. Achas Aruka. So one of the brachos is long after Kriyashma at night, and that would be the one, MS Ve'emuna. And then you have the shorter one, Achas Kitsara, that's Hashkivenu. It's only short in comparison to the MS Ve'emuna. Typically, a, a five, six line bracha, we don't consider short. But relative to Emes Vemuna, Berchas Hashkivenu is considered short. That's the Katsara. Malkam Shamar Laharuch, we'll have to see what this means. But the Gemara says, in a place where we're supposed to go and say the longer bracha, meaning Emes Vemuna, don't go in and shorten that bracha. And the bracha that's short uh, by the Katsar, by the Hashkivenu, it's not proper to go ahead and lengthen the bracha. It's not appropriate to go ahead and lengthen the bracha. We'll discuss that more a little bit later. And the Gemara continues, and it says, Lachtom, when you're supposed to go ahead and finish the bracha with a, uh, a, a, with a baruch, thank you, with a baruch, ain't a rashash lachtom. It's not, pro, it's not appropriate that you don't end off the bracha with a, with a baruch. And you know, certain brachos start with a baruch, but don't end with a baruch. Certain brachos also end with a bracha. So, so, shalom lachtom, in a place where, in a bracha where the chachamim did not say we should end with the words baruch, then you, one should not go ahead on their own and add to the matbeah, to the template of the bracha, by adding his own bracha at the end, barachata. Okay, now, the Gemara starts. The Gemara says, my mevarech. So what are these two brachos? The Gemara says, the Mishnah says that in Shacharis, we start with two brachos before Kriyashma. So what are these brachos? So, Amar Rabbi Yaakov, Amar Rabbi Yoshia. The Gemara says as follows, Yotzer Ar Varechoshech. We start by saying, as we all just said a couple of moments ago, Yotzer Ar Varechoshech, that is the first bracha before Kriyashma in the morning. The Gemara says, I don't understand. Lema Yotzer Ar Vari Noga. Why don't we say the word that he creates light, Yotzer Ar creates light, Uvari Choshech. And Hashem also creates dark. The Gemara says, maybe we should say, instead of Yotzer Or, that he creates light, instead of the word Choshech at the end, we should say Noga. Noga means twilight. It also means darkness, but it's a little bit earlier. And because, after all, that's what actually the Pasuk says in Yeshaya. The Pasuk that we're quoting doesn't say the word Choshech, it actually says the word Noga. So the Gemara says, Kidduch Sivka Amran. We actually 
we, we, as it's written, that's what we say. Why? Because the Pasuk, I'll just read the Pasuk to you. The Pasuk says, Yotzer or Uvore Choshech, Ose Shalom Uvora Uvore Ra. It says, Yotzer or Uvore Choshech. That's what the Pasuk says. Gemara continues, Elamiyata, if you're going to be so strict and stay within the lines that the, that the uh, Navi says, you're going to quote the exact Pasuk, then you have to be consistent throughout. The Pasuk actually says, Ose Shalom Uvore Ra. It doesn't say Uvore Choshech. <coughs> It says, later on it says, Borei Ra, and we go and switch that. Do we actually say like it's written? Are we really staying so true to the Psukim if we're actually changing one of the words? The Pasuk actually says that it creates evil. The And we say creates everything. Why? Because it's Lishna Ma'alya. We like to use a cleaner Lashon. Choshech has negative implications. When you say a bar is a Kodesh Baruch who creates everything, it includes Choshech. But we don't have to go out of our way to say Choshech. It's true, even though it says Choshech in the Pasuk, uh, sorry, it says Ra in the Pasuk, we change it. <clears throat> Gemara says, so, Leimanoga, Lishnam Aliyah. So if you can tell me that you're already using a Lishnam Aliyah, you don't use the word Choshech because we, sh- we, sh- we don't use the word Ra, sorry, because it's not a pleasant word. So if we're already using the nicest mm-hmm. Lashon, Rather than use choshech, use the word noka. Twilight has a softer, softer sound than uh, softer implications in actual darkness. Elama Rava. So what does Rava say? You know the real reason why we say choshech is as follows: He says, Rava says, in order that we should mention the day during the night and night during the day. What's the reason for that? Alan, actually, I'm glad you brought a sitter. We're going to use the sitter in a couple moments. But Rabbi says, you know why we, we say Yotzer Ravar Choshech? It's very important that during the day we mention night, and at night we mention the day. Why? Because when you say Yotzer Ravar Choshech, there's another Pasuk like that in Amos that discusses mountains and valleys, and it says Yotzer or Hashem, Yotzer or the creator of light, Uvore Choshech, creator of dark. It suggests, if you're a heretic, that there are two different gods. Yotzer or, it doesn't say Yotzer or Uchoshech. It doesn't say the one who creates light and dark. It says Yotzer or creates light, Ubore Choshech and creates dark. But the extra word Yotzer and Ubore could possibly be referring to two separate people. So to get that out of our minds and to refute that so that no one would actually think that they're two separate gods, deities, we say mention specifically at night, we also mention dark. And at dark, we also mention night to show that it's really the same person. Because usually if you think if just the god of dark is out there now, then the god of light you wouldn't even mention. And if it was light, you would think never mention the god of dark if they're two separate deities. Because right, that was one of the miracles of the of Barad, right? You had the, the, the Egyptians thought there were always separate deities for each, for each, every element out there. So you had fire that was su- surrounded by ice. Obviously, water and ice are sort of uh, antithetical to each other. Water puts out fire, and fire would melt ice. But that was the, the miracle that Hashem showed that there's only one God that creates all, of, that reigns supreme over all of Mother Nature, so to speak. Here too, by showing that we go ahead and out of our way and we discuss night during the day and day during the night, shows that there's one God. The Gemara continues, <clears throat> and the Gemara says, Bishlama le- midas I understand what we, we mentioned the night during the day, Kidamrinan, as we just said, we say, Yotzer Arver Choshech. In Shacharis, while it's light outside, during the day we mention night. Where do we actually mention night during, sorry, where do we actually mention day at night? So Bayi says very simply, in the bracha we say at Marev, you roll back light for dark, and you roll back dark for light. So the Gemara says, there's your answer. The Gemara says, but what about the, the, the second bracha? What is the second bracha that we say 
before Kriya Shema. Gemara says, Amar of Yehuda, Amar Av, Amar Shmuel, Avarava, an ever, uh, uh, a great love. That's the bracha, the second bracha that we say. V'chein Orila, Rabbi Lezid, Rabbi Pitas, Berei, Avarava. He also learned it. This is the same bracha, Avarava. In, in his opinion also, he was referring to the same bracha. Tanya Namach, we have a brisa that supports this. Ein Omrim Abbas Olam. We don't say there's some people who have the sheet of uh, the, the, the um, Nusach of Avas Olam instead of Avarava, an everlasting love rather than a great love. But you don't say Ava Solem. He says also say Ava Rabba, Rabbanan Army, the Chachamim say Ava Solem. Chachamim say we should say Ava Solem, an everlasting love. Why? I've given you an everlasting love and I've drawn you into kindness and therefore since it's Abbas Olam we should use that same Lashon mm. okay so now Avat Olam right yeah, that's interesting okay so I want to do now a little bit I want to actually look at the um, if everyone has the Sidurim you can take out your Sidurim now I want to actually I decided to rather than do something so lumdus today Let's actually look at the bracha of Ava Rabba that we say every single day, and we'll have some amazing insights into the bracha of Yeshem. If we want, um, you got a helping laser, just bring a few seconds to do Doesn't have to schlep everything. Thank you. So we'll just wait till everyone opens, opens the sitter, and we'll discuss a few points of Schwab. Of Shimon Schwab on his sefer on uh, on, par- on uh, tefillah has some amazing insights into the bracha now, and since we say it every day, <clears throat> would behoove us to uh, to get a little bit of a deeper understanding. We start off, we start off. You know what, Shimon? Let me have. Thank you. Any other takers? Okay, so I'll share with y'all. Okay, we start off the bracha. Ava Rabba Aftan Hashem, you gave us an, a great love. Hashem Kedu Chemla Gedola, tremendous pity. Chemla Gedola Zrachmim. Why do we say Chemla Gedola Visera Chamalta Aleinu? Those five words. You have shown us great and overwhelming compassion. Rav Shimon Shua mentions that the word Chemla, which is Rachmim, is mentioned twice in the Chumash. Twice in the Chumash. The first time it says it in Shmos, it says, Vatiftach Vatirei was a Yeled. When Basparo sees when she sees this little, um, little infant in this, uh, in this teva, flo- floating down the Nile, it says, nar <clears throat> she sees a little young baby infant crying, she had rachamim on it, she says, this is clearly a child from the Hebrews. Okay, the second time it says, the word chemla is by a mesis. A mesis is someone who not only himself does Avodah Zarah, but also causes others to do Avodah Zarah. When we're doing Masechus Makos, we mentioned there are four, we brought in the Gemara from the end of Sanhedrin that discusses Arba Tzrich and Achraza. There are four people when they are killed, the Chayef Skila, we do it publicly as a deterrent for other people. The four cases are, we said Zakin Mamre, someone gives a, a wrong Psak, a Ben Sora Amore, a Zomain, and Mesis. Mesis is someone who not only himself is Ovid of Odazara, but causes other. He's Machti Acherim. He brings other people down with him. And when you kill him, it has to be a public event. You have to be Machrizit. You have to announce it. So a Mesis is one of those four people that has to be killed in a very, very public event. And the Chumash says as follows It says, Los love, Los Sishmai love. Don't listen to him. Los Sochos Eincha love, Los Sachmol. Don't have pity on this Mesis. In both of these examples, says Rav Schwab, we're asked. <clears throat> the, the, the Torah is in, in, infusing a sense of compassion and ignoring Din. Bas Paro was the daughter of Paro, obviously, and the Egyptian law at that time was the Cholaben 
have to throw every single male infant into the water. When she saw this, she said, I'm going to go against Din, and I'm going to implement Rachamim. Similarly, the judges are admonished here and warned, don't, don't, fall, don't commute a sentence, don't fall prey to his, uh, to his soft side. He's a Macy's, you have to kill him. So what we are in fact asking, says Rav Schwab, is we maybe do a certain din, we may have punished and everything is onesh. we did five averos, we have five punishments, but we're asking Hashem to commute our din. The same chemla that's used in the Torah <coughs> by Basparo, the same concept, that she went ahead and said, I'm not going to listen to Egyptian law, or to these, to these Dayanim, when it comes to being, uh, killing a Macy's, have no chemla on them, don't, don't substitute Rachamim for, for Din, we're asking Dafkar Shbarchu to substitute Chemla for Rachamim. So we to substitute Rachamim for, uh, for Din, excuse me. And therefore, we're using these exact words to, to, uh, to, to beseech Akkad Shbarchu to implement Rachamim on us. Okay, if you continue now, later on, it says, three lines later, it says, We ask Akkad Shbarchu to, to give us a, an understanding, not just any understanding. Lahovin Lahaskil is a deep understanding. What's the next word? Lishmoa. Let me ask you a silly question. Which one did you do first? Oh, excellent, Ron. If I already have a deep understanding, now I'm asking to hear it? It's out of order. All right, we read this every day. How many of us thought of this? Hashem, give me. Beautiful. Give me a deep understanding, not just Lahovin, Lahaskil. Give me a deep, penetrating understanding, much more insight. Do a deep dive into your Torah and let me hear it. Isn't that an obvious question? Yeah, but it says... <clears throat> what? That's fine. Right, so we already... And then Lishmoah. Don't you have to Lishmoah before you can understand it? Isn't it telling you who to listen to? You have to have Seichel to understand who to listen to. You have all these voices. This cacophony of isms. Doing it first is not understanding it first. Yeah. You have this cacophony of isms out there. All these socialism. Who are you going to listen to? So you're saying, who are you going to listen to? Okay. You have to have Seichel to say, I'm going to listen to him. Okay, but you're still understanding it. You're understanding it first. You're choosing to listen to that person. Okay, maybe, maybe, possible. He says something different. Says Rav Schwab, something, a beautiful insight. He says... Ideally, we want to... I think there's a, this is an insight into human nature. As you're doing, when tefillah, you're doing a very, it's a religious activity, it's a spiritual activity, and one's emotions could go wild. If you don't have seichel, you, what's the difference between praying the yashka or... Okay, very nice. So, okay, so you need, possible. You possible, okay. Okay. <clears throat> So, Rav Schwab says as follows. He says, ideally, we want to have a deep understanding. That's the best case scenario, that we really can do a deep dive and really get a deep understanding and deep insight into a Kodesh Torah. If not, if not, this is a bidyevet, at least lishmoa, to hear. But what does to hear mean here? He says as follows. To hear and never forget. We're asking Kodesh Baruch that we should hear it and never forget. What does that mean, to hear and forget? What, what's, is there any precedent for this, that lishmoa means to hear and to always remember it. If we would remember what, you know, we remember very little of what we, uh, what we learn, right? Why doesn't it say that part? Uh, one second. So he says as follows. He says, <clears throat> the Pasuk says, listen to, listen to the story here. We are very familiar with the story when after Rachel Imenu died, the Yaakov moved his couch, his bed, into the Oel of Bila, who was Rachel's maidservant. 
And Reuven took umbrage with this. He was not happy. So Reuven went ahead and he moved his couch and the pus- moved um, Yaakov's bed into his mother's tent, Leah. He didn't want to be offended. It's one thing that he has, that Rashi says that his aunt, his aunt uh, Rachel was a tsara, was a, was a adversary, so to speak, in, in Yaakov's eyes for his love against his mother. But her maidservant should win out against his mother. So he moved the couch from, that Yaakov put in Bilah's tent. He moved it into his mother's tent, uh, Leah. And the Pusik sort of suggests that he slept with Leah, but the Gemara Shabbos stuff, Nune says, anyone who says that Ruvain um, uh, was, was Chote is mistaken. It wasn't what the Pusik suggests. He didn't actually sleep with, with Bila, he just moved the tent, moved the bed from the tent. And what was Yaakov's reaction to this whole episode? Two words. Vaishma Yaakov, says the Pusik. That's all we hear from it. Yaakov listened. That's all it says. Didn't get angry, didn't rebuke him, didn't yell at him, didn't... Until the very end of his life, when Yaakov was on his deathbed, giving a bracha, he cursed Reuven. He says, you acted impetuously, right? You acted, and what was he referencing? Clearly, he was referencing this act. So Vayishma says, Vayishma, he... Vayishkor. He put it in his back, he, he registered it, he listened, he registered, put it in the back of his memory, it wasn't on the forefront necessarily, but he was always there. And when he, at the end of his life, clearly he remembered it because this is what he referenced when he was making the bracha to Ruvain. So sometimes vaishma means I want to listen to it, hear it, and remember it forever. It should never exit my memory. So that's what we're asking. Ideally, we want to understand everything God has to offer in the Torah. And we want to have all the insight and the, and the deep penetrating thought and understanding. But if not, at the very least, we should go ahead and... And remember it. And then we say, We say a couple lines, next line, we say, open our eyes to your Torah. We're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to open our eyes, to allow us to see things in his, the treasures of his Torah, that we all have the potential to see, to find new insights in the Torah. As a matter of fact, David HaMelech in Tehillim says, Gal Open my eyes, so that I can see the wonders in your Torah. The bottom line is there's no end to the knowledge of Torah. Basically, we can go ahead and you can learn. And even if you finish Shas, there's always the second time, third time, you have deeper insights. There's always more to learn. The Torah describes Moshe Rabbeinu. If you remember, Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai three separate times, right? Each for 40 days. And after 120 days up with HaKadosh Baruch Hu B'chavrusa one-on-one, after 120 years, listen to what Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu tells, tells Hashem. It says, Lo chein avdi Moshe b'chol there's no, there's no uh, evidence, or some trustworthy is that, like Moshe. All these things are praising Moshe, that no one was closer to him. No one was closer to Gosh Baruch than Moshe. And what is it? It says, And at the end of his life, it says, You have just begun to show your servant what the Torah is all about. Really? After 120 years. Moshe de Chavrusa, and Moshe's retort at the end of his life is, you just showed me the tip of the iceberg. This is Moshe Rabbeinu, our Rebbe. So it shows that there is so much endless Torah for all of us to go ahead, go ahead and show us, open our eyes. Rabbi Willig, I remember in Moshe Akola, maybe 30 years ago, said, that's why it says, why we make the brachas, of, of Berchas Torah, it says, not a plant. 
Because a plant doesn't grow on its own. You have to nurture it. You have to water it. You have to give it TLC. It's something that grows. It's not a, it's not a finite, it's not a fixed, dormant uh, uh, object. Torah is a living object. He gave it to us. Asher Notab, he planted it in with us. But in order to have a, a plant that's going to grow and blossom and, and become big, you have to water it and nurture it. And that's the same thing we have with Torahs. In fact, we just read in Parsha Shemini a couple of weeks ago, the end of the Parsha discusses the signs of a, of a fish. What are the two signs of a kosher fish? Snapir and Kaskasas. Good. Fins and scales. The Gemara in Mishnah in Nida, the sixth parak, the ninth Mishnah says, Koshi Yeshlo Kaskasas, Yeshlo Snapir. Any fish that has, fi- that has scales has fins, but there are fish that have fins but don't have scales. So, what's the obvious question? The Gemara asks, if that's the case, why not just say, if you have scales, the fish is kosher? If, think about it, a dolphin has a fin but doesn't have scales, it's, not a, it's a mammal, but I'm just saying, but there are plenty of, of creatures, sharks, thank you, plenty of animals that have, that have fins but don't have scales. But every fish that has a scale has fins. So the Gemara Nida, uh, Nunalaf says, why are you telling me both? Just say if you have scales, it's kosher. Get rid of their scales over time. Born with scales. So, so any fish that has scales is kosher. If it doesn't have scales, it's not kosher. Why do you need to mention both? So I saw this in Ray Rosner's uh, book in the Parsha, which is fantastic. So the Gemara, you know what the Gemara answers on Daf, Daf Nun Aleph? It says, Lahagdil Torah Lahadir. To glorify and magnify Torah. What does that mean? That's why it gives two Simonim? To glorify Torah? So aptly named, the Sefer Yagdil Torah actually answers this question. Not related to that Gemara, but Yagdil Torah, or Moshe Ludmir. He says as follows. He says, what's the purpose of scales? Scales is a defense, it's armor. We can go through life thinking that as long as we set up boundaries for ourselves and we don't falter, we're good. We're setting up our defenses, we're putting up our scales. But that's not what the Torah wants from us. It doesn't want us just to put up our scales. Fins are used to propel forward. Fins are there to go upward and onward, to to fight the current. If you don't have fins and you're not swimming, you're actually letting the current take you and you're letting outside forces direct your life, right? Whichever way it goes. If I go, the wind's going that way, the current's going that way, it'll take me. Fins give us the, the, give fish the strength to go ahead and determine their own direction. That's the same what has to be with us. It could have been that, the Torah could have just said, just have scales. But we would think that if you're staying stagnant, your status quo, as long as I'm not faltering, I set up my boundaries, I protect my family and my children from all the spiritual pitfalls, I'm a good Jew. That's not what we are. We have to have the fins, you have to move forward. And it's the same thing with not just in, in Avodah Hashem, but learning as well. So everything we do is always pushing forward. Rabbi Moskowitz had an incredible thing in his partial here, maybe three, four years ago. It says, by the end in Kisavo, it has all these uh, klolos. I'm gonna read just a couple of them and you'll tell me what's weird. It says, in the end of Kisavo, Cursed is the man who makes a, a, a uh, pesel, and then it says, Cursed is the person who curses his mother and father. If you do hasakas gavul, if you go ahead and you, hasakas uh, gavul, if, if a person has a pizza store, you open a pizza store right next to him. You basically encroach on his, uh, on his uh, parnasa. As an example, Cursed is the one who goes in and sleeps with his uh, mother-in-law. All these things, yeah, all, the, all different things. And then it says, if you, stepmother, sorry, 
right, also cursed is the one who hits his, uh, his friend. And then it says, you're cursed if you go ahead and you take bribery. After 13 or 14, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 specific, specific curses. What's the last one? Aror. The very last one it says, Aror cursed. Oh, at the very end it says, Cursed is the person who doesn't keep the Torah. Now, on a very easy, simple level, we can understand the first 11. If you don't, we're specific. This is more general. If you don't keep the Torah, you're going to be cursed. But it doesn't flow. The first 11 were very specific specific warnings and admonitions. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then it gives this general overarching, whoever doesn't keep the Torah is going to be punished and be cursed. What's shot? The Ramban says something amazing here. Listen to what the Ramban says. The Ramban says, This refers to the Chazan, The Ramban says something so esoteric here. It's really hard to understand. This is the Ramban we're talking about. The Ramban says, when it says anyone who doesn't keep the Torah, it's referring to when we do Hagva, the Mishnah Brua says when you do Hagva, you're supposed to open up the Torah enough so that the onlooker can read a couple words. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to actually look at our, the, the, the Baal Hagva, the one who's doing Hagva, is actually supposed to find his letter. If his name is Aaron, he should look for the letter Al. If his name is Shlomo, he should look for the letter Shin. So the, the Ramban says, this Pasuk is referring to when you open up and do the Hagbar, you don't open it up wide enough that people can read into the Torah. So the Shari Ephraim says, Ephraim Margoli says, what's going on here? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? He says as follows. He says that when we find the letter in the Torah, you're making your small connection to the Torah. In a, in a Torah, that, in, in a, a sea that's so vast, with Psukim and Parshios, if you can find your one letter, you make your small connection, that's what the Ramban is referring to. Each of us are obligated to make the smallest connection to the Torah. And it, it, it'll blossom from there. Whether it's learning a Mishnah day, whether learning Halacha day, whether being Mavir Sedra, whether coming to a Sharon Brachos, whether saying Taylor every day, doing Dafyomi. Wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of Lima Torah, you start there and it grows from there. That's what the Ramban is saying, says the Shari Fry. When we do Hagbah and you find your letter, you make your small connection. The Torah has thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of words. You find your one letter, your one word, and you start from there. Every 10,000 step journey starts with the first step, right? Every 10,000 mile journey starts with the first step. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, again, all those different possibilities, everyone has to make their own kesher. This is Vahar Eineinu Besar Secha. Open our eyes, Akadosh Baruch let us find that treasure that you have for us. We can find insights. We can find new things. We can cause old things. Whatever it is, you have to have a kasher. You have to be grounded in Torah. And you have to have aspirations with a fin to move forward, not just to go ahead and stay stable. Okay? And status quo. Okay. Next. Let's just go on a little bit in the Gemara. We have a very, very famous, famous line in uh we have a very famous Tosvos to discuss. The Gemara continues. The Gemara says as follows. Amar of Yehuda. We are, uh, everyone have the place? Amar of Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Hishkim Lishanos Ad Shalokar, Lishanos Shalokar, Kriyash If someone gets up early in the morning before they daven, they have to go ahead and say Berchas Torah. You have to say Berchas Torah before you, da- before you learn. The Gemara says, the Gemara continues now, however, if for whatever reason you got to Shul late, and for whatever reason, let's just say you skipped, you went straight to Baruch Hu, 
you did not say Berchas Kriya, you did not say Berchas Torah in the morning, but Mishakara Kriya Shema Eino Sarech Levarach Shvar Nifta Ba'Avarabah. If you went ahead and you went out of order and you did not say Berchas Torah in the morning and you went straight to Berchas Kriya Shema, and now you want to learn after davening, you don't have to say Berchas Torah. Why? Because Avaraba counts. We say in Avaraba enough references to Torah that that serves as the Berchas Torah. Yeah, sure. Um, Let me just tell the words. We say V'yochet Livavein. We say Lishmo Lumod Lalamid Lishmo Lasos Lakayim. It's called Divrei Salmo Torasecha Biava V'Harinim Torasecha V'Dabek Lebe Mitzvasecha. We should stick to your mitzvah. So we say we have enough references in Avaraba referring to Berchas Torah. So if in the event that you did not say Berchas in the morning, but you already said Berchas Kriyashma and you want to go learn, you don't now have to say Kriyashma because you were part of you exempted yourself with the Berchas Kriyashma. You don't say Berchas Torah. Real quick, I'm, I'm trying to understand this so what's the what's the obligation here? No, no, no. We're saying that if you were to go ahead and learn, I want to learn after davening, you don't have to go back to Berchas Torah because Avarab served as the Berchas Torah. Yeah. So, so because you're saying because it's cons- what's like categorical, what's it considered? Consider the bracha. It's, it's yeah, like the it's bracha. A, it's a, yeah. yeah. That is there a bracha or is it learning? Like no, no. Shema, shema itself is learning. Correct. So that that takes care of your situation. So the berachas Torah, you don't have to go back and say berachas Torah now. Oh, it's a bracha. Correct. It's, correct. I, I was correct. just trying to. Yeah. No. Good. Okay. Now <clears throat> we are on Yud Aleph and Aleph. Oh, so we are now 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 lines down. But you don't have to do that. We have to go into Tosos now. So the yeah. second Tosos now. So all that was an exercise in futility, but it's okay. It's okay. It's good. So now, this is one of the most famous Tosos in all of Shas. So we're going to, let's actually, we, we don't normally look in Tosos, but let's look in Tosos. So the Gemara says, Shekvar Niftar Ba'avaraba. Now, the Gemara says, there are those who say, in the, and, and if you already made the brach of Avaraba, you are exempt now from saying, from saying That's assuming that you're going to open up a safer and learn right away after davening. If there's a long gap, if you go to work and you don't open your safer until three in the afternoon, then it doesn't work. The brach of Avaraba will not serve as a substitute for Berchas HaTorah if there's a long gap between right after you finish davening and then you start learning. Okay? Now. But if you say Berchas Torah in the morning. Th- that's fine. Then, uh, we're gonna get, then you're okay. Then you're okay. We'll see that in a second. That's a great segue. I'm gonna, when I point to you, you ask that question again. Give me like five <laughs> lines. Vinishal Aravim and Yisrael going Anu Shein Anu Lom Din Miyad Lachat Filas Hashach Shein Anu Din Holchin. Like for example, for us who Rachman Latzlan, we're not able to learn right away. We have to run to work, which is not a bad thing. But we don't. Sometimes we don't get to open up our Gemara until ten, eleven o'clock at night. So right. So for us who run to work and don't have a chance to go in and learn then it doesn't apply. Meaning, he's given an example. For if you have to go and work for the next 10 hours, then the brach of Avarabah is not going to go ahead and serve as a brachas Torah. He says, He says until middle of the day, halavai. Many of us, self-included, it's not till the end of the day. 
Oh Yosser, am I ain't on Mavarchan Bechzatara Pamacheres Kishanam Atchilon Mod? So he says, why don't we go ahead and say another bracha after we go ahead and we learn and we make the bracha? Listen to what he says here. He says, Dafka, look, skip three lines now. Dafka avarabad lohavi ikar bracha bechzatara dikar avarabad kriyashman niskan. When do we say, when we go ahead and we make our brachas in the morning, this is Tehran's point, if we go ahead and say Berchus Torah at 7 o'clock in the morning, why does that work until 11 o'clock at night? I don't have to open up again another Berchus Torah. I don't have to make the Berchus again. I said it's 14 hours ago. It doesn't work. And, and yet, we said by Avarabah, if I don't learn right after Kriyashim, right after Davening, it doesn't count as a Berchus Torah. It says, because the real reason for Avarabah was for Kriyashma. It's not there to serve as Berchas Torah. Therefore, it's not going to exempt you the whole day. It's going to exempt you if you learn within 20, 30 minutes. But now, so Ron's question is, what's the difference? Skip a couple more lines. This is amazing. It says, Four lines down. Every time we go into the sukkah, on sukkahs, we make a new bracha. Why not? And this is what I'm sure Ron was asking. If we go in and we make, we have a Danish in the morning, after we are Kiddush on Yantif, we go into the sukkah, we make a leishe basukkah. Why doesn't that exempt us the whole day for lunch and for dinner? Just like Berchas Torah. This is arguably one of Tosus's top five lines. V'yesh Lomar, I don't know if it's on the David Letterman show, but V'yesh Lomar, the shiny Torah shenam yayish daito d'chosho atam lilmod. The shiny Torah shenam yayish daito. This is Torah we never ever leaves our mind. When you have breakfast in the sukkah and you mm. go to shul or you go to learn or you go to a friend's house to schmooze and, 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 and have, a, have a drink with him, the eating is not on your mind. So it leaves your mind. It has a chadas, there's an interruption. So when you go back to make the next meal, you have to make a leisheh sukkah again. Masha'enkein batorah. Tosva says, he gives us all the benefit of the doubt. The shiny Torah, it never leaves our mind. It's always there. <clears throat> so the bracha except when you go take a long nap. When you take a long nap, the next morning you have to make a new bracha. But all day long while you're awake, Torah is always on the forefront of our mind. Even if we're not learning Torah, when we're at work, we're acting with the ashras. When we're in the supermarket and going shopping, we're looking for the OU and the chafkei. Torah is always on our mind. So since the lo miyayish daito, you never ever getting rid of it. It's never, you never left that. That's very different than the physical act of eating. One of the most famous lines of Tosvos. <clears throat> And with that, we'll get into much more tomorrow. Oh, by the way, and then if you skip to the bottom, like five li- uh, the next, Omar Beinu Tam, skip another five lines. It says, Omar Beinu Tam, Kisha Adam Omeid Mimi Taso Balayla, before Shachos, Lil Mochein Sarach, Levarach Berchas Ator, Benesha Berchas Ator, Shal Etmo Shachos, Perez Ashachos Acheres. This is Machlokas, how often does one have to make the bracha? So we just said that once a day should suffice, because Ein Daito Miyayish, you never Miyayish, you never throw Torah out of your mind. It's always in the forefront of your mind. So, so Rabbeinu Tam Shito is that if I made Berchasat Torah this morning at 7.30 and tomorrow morning when Shem, I wake up at 4 o'clock to learn, I don't make another, even after sleeping for 6 hours, I don't make another Berchasat Torah because it lasts a 24-hour period from Shachris to Shachris. As whereas others hold that if you wake up after a Shenas Keva, if you have a real nap, even if it's before the 24 hours, you go ahead and you make another, you make another bracha. There's a lot of stuff we're going to talk tomorrow about Berchus Torah. One other quick thought, and that is, we discussed in the past, in Simon Memzai, in the Shulchan Aruch, says, what happens if one thinks the Torah before Shacharis and they don't make the Berchus Torah? Can one think? Can one be Mahara Torah? Can one think and conceptualize 
uh, without verbalizing divrei Torah, without making a bracha. According to Shulchan Aruch, yes. The Vilna Gon, the Gras said no. Even here, who read divrei Torah? Even if one thinks about uh, Torah, one must go ahead and make a bracha. And it's possible to explain the machlokas that why would the mission, why would the uh, Shulchan Aruch, the Machaber, of Yosef Karo said that you have to make a bracha if you just think about divrei Torah, because the whole purpose of learning is lilmod almanas lasos, but also lilmod lalamid to go ahead and to teach. And since when you're thinking about it, you're not teaching it because you're not sharing it. Interestingly enough, the Shulchan Aruch writes, if you were to write it down, even though you're not verbalizing it, you would have to make a bracha. Because one of the modes of transmission to the next generation of teaching is also ksiva, writing. So even though you're not verbalizing it, you're writing it down. Many, many believe that the Shulchan Aruch would say you have to go ahead and make a bracha if you're going to write Torah, even though if you're thinking Torah, you don't have to. We'll discuss tomorrow if women who are not obligated in in Limanat Torah, do they make a Berchasa Mitzvah? Do they make a Berchasa um, a, a Torah? We'll discuss also tomorrow. I think we discussed uh, at the Siam, we discussed a little bit about the importance of the Berchasa Torah making before versus after. We'll pick up tomorrow. Amir Tzashem, have a great day. Shukor, shukor. Speaking about the teaching it for yourself.